different places. Um, Luke chapter 22 and John chapter 21. Luke 22, John 21. Sort of takes place. Um, I know all of you weren't in Brother Joe's Sunday school class this morning, but it sort of takes place at the same time frame that he was teaching about. Um, and he said, before we started Sunday school, he made this comment. I'm just going to share it with you. Brother Ricky did, rather. Made this comment that um, the things that you can learn in Sunday school. Listen, Sunday school will help you. And he said, Brother Bill Johnson came to him one day and just very gently, not in a hateful way, said, you need to be in Sunday school. Can I say to you this morning, you need to be in Sunday school. And I'm not trying to harp or be high. I'm just saying you need to be in Sunday school. Uh, it will, it will, um, you'll be amazed at what God will teach you, um, what you're able to learn and retain, where you can ask questions um, and no judgment. Um, and you'd be amazed at how you draw closer to your brothers and sisters in the Lord um, by studying together. And so I'll just leave you with that. You need to be in Sunday school. So try to make it a point. Uh, if you've not been coming, start coming. Bring your, if you have children, you especially need to be in Sunday school and bring those babies. We've got great teachers here. I have great confidence in them. Nobody will deceive them or anything like that. <clears throat> All right, Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. It says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Now John chapter 21, and this is a lengthy reading, uh, John chapter 21, After these things Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed He Himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other of His disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto Him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then saith Jesus unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Then Jesus 
cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus shewed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things, and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that the world itself should not contain the books that should be written. Amen. That last statement is quite a remarkable thing. Um, that, if, that if everything that Jesus did in his 33 years, and specifically to the last three and a half years or so of his ministry, before the crucifixion, if, if he had written every one, John says, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. But these are written uh, over and over in John's Gospel and in his epistles. Uh, he says, These things are written that ye might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Uh, John was written about 30 years after uh, the other Gospels were written. So it's, it's not one of the synoptic Gospels. It's, it's sort of a standalone by itself. It gives some of the narratives, uh, but there are certain things and a lot of things that are peculiar only to John. Uh, and so we find that, uh, that uh, one of the things I read, matter of fact, both things that I read are uh, maybe peculiar to John. I don't really know. I've not looked into it that deep. Uh, but, but you have Simon Peter. Uh, and Simon Peter is a very interesting character in the Word of God. He's, uh, he's one that, uh, that was uh, absolutely a man subject to passions. And, and uh, he, uh, he went with his guts, so to speak. And he wore his emotions on his sleeve, so to speak. And, and he was quick. And a lot of people uh, like to point the finger at Peter uh, because he began to sink. But, uh, but uh, it was 
Uh, I've said to you different times uh, when that invitation was given on the stormy night, uh, when Jesus came walking on the water, uh, the Bible says that it was Simon Peter uh, that said, Lord, if it is really You, bid me to come to Thee on the water. Uh, Yes, he took his eyes off of the Lord. Yes, he started to sink. Uh, But my friend, he was the one that had the faith to step out of the boat. Uh, And so if you want to walk on the water from time to time, uh, you've got to be willing at certain seasons to just step out of the boat. And there have been times, spiritually speaking, I've never done it physically, but spiritually speaking, uh, I have water walked a few times in this life. Uh, And if you know God, uh, uh, there have been times that you've uh, walked on water in this life. There have been times that that you just uh, put your faith to the test. Uh, And there are times when faith will absolutely collide with fear. Uh, There are times that faith and fear are on a collision course. uh, And sometimes fear wins out. Uh, But blessed be uh, God, sometimes faith wins out. And sometimes we can walk on the water, uh, so to speak. But it was Simon Peter uh, that did these things. It was Simon Peter who first said, uh, when Jesus said, Who does man say that I am? And the rest of the disciples said, Some say John the Baptist. Uh, some say you're Elijah. Uh, some say you're one of the old prophets risen from the dead. Uh, but Jesus said, But who do you say uh, that I am? I'm not uh, concerned with what the world says about me. He says, I want you. Uh, what do you say about me? And it was Simon Peter uh, that said, Thou art the Son of the living God. And we are sure uh, that thou camest forth from God. It was Simon Peter uh, when the disciples uh, uh, left him. Uh, when the other when the other uh, disciples had, not the apostles, but when his disciples began to walk away from Jesus. When, uh, when it got too hard to serve him. And Jesus said, what about you? Again, these other ones are going away. Uh, but he said, I want to know your heart. Uh, he said, will you go away? And it was Simon Peter that said, Lord, to whom shall we go? As thou hast the word of eternal life. And so Simon Peter was a man of great faith. He was also a man of failures at times. And so uh, Jesus foreknowing all things. And we were talking in Sunday school and this coincides uh, with the timeline of events. Now we were talking in Sunday school how uh, that on the night before he was betrayed, uh, on the very day he was probably crucified, and uh, Jesus gathered his apostles, uh, and he had a, he had one last Passover meal with him, and then he instituted the Lord's Supper. Uh, he said at that time uh, that they were eating that one of you shall betray me, and one by one they begin to say, Lord, is it me? Is it me that's going to do such a horrendous thing? And Jesus said, it is the man to whom I give the stop when I have dipped it. He dipped the stop, handed it to Judas. And he said, whatever you're doing, go do quickly. And the Bible says Judas grabbed the stop. He ran out. The apostles thought he was going to buy things for preparation for the Passover. And so they were left alone. And then he begins to impart unto them his final thoughts before he was crucified. And he instituted his supper. He washed their feet. And he instituted 
instituted his supper. And my friends, he began to tell them in certain terms that the hour of darkness is now upon us. This is the time that the Son of Man should be crucified. This is the time when they're going to take me in front of the chief priests and in front of the synagogues. This is the time that they're going to take me and they're going to beat me and they're going to spit upon me and they're going to crucify me and they're going to take my life. But he said, I don't want you to be afraid when these things happen. He said, because I must leave you and I go back to the Father. He said, if you love me, you would really rejoice because I go into the Father. When a loved one dies today, if they've been saved by God's grace, I know that hurts. But really, we ought to rejoice. And their spirit does rejoice because they've gone to be with the Father. And so Jesus said, if you love me, you would know that I'm going to the Father. And He's far greater than me. But He said unto them, I want to leave you this commandment. Love one another. And just like I've loved you, I want you to love one another. He said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends. And so he told them in certain terms, that he was to be crucified. And they didn't understand what he was talking about until after he rose from the dead. And Simon Peter had no idea how what he was talking about when he made this statement. And he said, Simon, Simon, as Satan has desired to have thee, that he may sift thee as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Simon Peter had no idea of what was going to transpire. But the foreknowledge of our Lord and Savior and knew everything that was about to transpire that night. He said, indeed, one of you shall betray me. He was talking, of course, about Judas. But then he also knew, and he began to say unto them that same night, he began to say unto them in the 16th chapter of John, he said, I shall be smitten and you shall scatter." And the Bible says uh, that's when he pulled Simon Peter away. And he said, Satan has desired to have you. And now my friend, I don't know if anything uh, can bring joy unto that man of sin. I don't know if anything at all uh, can possibly uh, bring joy unto that great deceiver. I don't know if Satan is capable of joy. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, if there would be one thing that would give him joy, it would be to take a believer and to sift that believer. It would be to shake him as hard as he possibly can and get him uh, to lose faith in his God. If there is one thing that he, would, uh, that he would love today, if Satan's capable of loving anything, it would be that to take one of God's elect, uh, one of God's chosen, uh, one of God's saved, and begin to put him in a vice. That's what he did to Job. You remember Job, don't you? Uh, you remember how that the Bible says you have heard 
of the patience of Job. Now that tells me uh, why have we heard of the patience of Job? Uh, because there was indeed a man named Job. And it's recorded in this, in this book his life. It's recorded that uh, that how he was rich and, and really didn't want or need anything. Everything had been provided. It was told that Satan, I'm going to say something to you that might shock you. And really it shocked me when I thought of this uh, last night or this morning. Uh, when Satan said unto Jesus, to, uh, when Jesus said unto Peter, Satan has desired you to have you. Uh, do you know what that really means? Uh, that Satan had prayed, if you will. He had asked God uh, for permission to sift Peter. You ever thought about that? And what's more, God granted him that request. It's the same thing that he did with Job. As Satan came to God, he requested, he said, have you considered my servant Job? God did. And Satan said, why should he not serve you? Have you given him everything that he could possibly want? You built up such a hedge about him that, that I promise you, if you will just let me have him and let me touch what he's got, he will curse you to your face. And God said, okay. He granted Satan that power. And granted Satan that request. And Satan began to work on Job. And put his hand into everything he had. And took away. I asked a question in revival the other night. And it's a serious one. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But it's a serious one. And it said, do you love the gifts that God has given you? Or do you love the giver that gave them to you? That's a fair question. And I've heard it said like this, and I believe probably the most accurate, is I love the giver, and I love him because and through the gifts that he's given me. And so I would ask you then, if you really love the giver and not the gifts, if he let Satan touch his hand to everything you have, and when I say everything, I mean everlasting thing. I mean home. I mean car, I mean job, I mean spouse, I mean children, a son, a daughter, your livelihood. If he touched, gave Satan that authority. And he took everything from you. Would you still love him today? That's a fair question. As, as Satan said to Job would. And so God said, all that he has is in thy hand. Only touch not his life. That's mine. And Satan put his hand to all that Job had. And Job proved to Satan, I indeed love the giver more than I love the gift. He said, bless God. God giveth and He taketh away. And naked I came into this world and naked I shall return. That's how we all came and that's how we're all going to leave with nothing. Had nothing when we started. Whatever we accumulate, we're not taking it with us. Do you love the giver today? Or do you just love the gifts? And how can you know? Oh Well, I believe a couple of reasons. I believe sometimes God lets Satan do that so that you will know that you love God. I believe sometimes Satan is allowed to do that so you can be a blessing to others down the road. We would have never known about the patience of Job 
Had this not happened to Job. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so for, for thousands of years, people have looked at Job and used him as a light and as an example unto us even today. And so Job lost everything. Still didn't curse God. As Satan said, that bone for bone and skin for skin, all that a man hath will he give for his flesh. And God said unto Satan, Fine, but touch not his life. You can touch his flesh, but his life is mine. And Satan again put his hand to Job. And Job broke out in sore boils from the top of his foot uh, to the, uh, the, the, the crown of his head to the sole of his foot. The Bible says he was just sitting in a heap of ashes with a piece of broken pottery scratching himself when his friend showed up. And so get back to Peter. Satan has desired to sift you. Peter had no idea. Uh, Peter said unto the Lord, I am ready uh, to go with you and uh, not only into affliction, I'm ready to lay down my life for you. He meant what he said. Amen. He meant every word of it. He loved the Lord. You can't make me think any different. Jesus said, Simon, the cock shall not crow twice today until you have denied me Christ. Not so, thought Peter. Not so. I'm ready to lay down my life. I'll go with you. I love you. But when push came to shove and they took Jesus and Peter followed him afar off and warmed himself on the fire. The shepherd had been taken just as Jesus said. The sheep had been scattered. They all left him. Those eleven that loved Him, that traveled with Him, and that worshipped Him, and that said, Thou art God, where else would we go? They turned and they ran because they feared their life. And Peter followed them to see what was going to happen. And he warmed himself by the fire. But as he warmed himself, his eyes were on his Lord. As he warned himself, how one came up to him and they said, you were with Jesus. And he said, no, I wasn't. That's one. He warned himself some more. You were with him and because your speech shows you to be a Galilean. Peter said, no, I wasn't. I don't know him. That's two. And then the Bible says one came to him and said, I know that you are with him. And Peter got mad and he cursed. And he said, I know not that man. And the cock crowed. And that was three. Luke says the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And I'm going to stop right there. I told you that I'm just a man after a donkey. Really, if you want to know the truth of it, uh, I'm less than that. Uh, I'm just a rooster up here uh, crowing this morning. Uh, but I'm trying to sound out a warning to you. And my sound does no good. Peter heard the cock crow. But I don't think that's what caused him to remember. Uh, it was the cock crowed. Uh, Peter heard that. Uh, but then Jesus looked at Peter. You see, I'm just a rooster crowing. But God can turn His eyes on you today. At the sound of this rooster's voice, He can cause you to remember things from whence you were. 
He can cause you to remember how the times of grace. I believe there was a lot in that look. I believe Peter. I looked at him and remember Peter was looking at the Lord. And that look would have been of no effect if Peter hadn't been looking at him. Peter was looking at him to see what was going to happen to the one that he loved as he denied him. And the Lord looks at Peter. I believe, you know, they say at the end of life, your life will pass before your eyes. I've had that happen to me a few times. There were memories, memories that would take ages to count all flooding to your soul at one time. I think that's what happened to Peter. I think Peter went back to the day when his brother Andrew came and said, Peter, we have found the Messiah. I believe Peter's mind went back in that one look out of the time when Peter came to him to see for himself. And Jesus said, Simon Bartona, I believe, I believe it came into his mind on the Sea of Galilee when he said, Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of man. I believe his mind went back after the night that he walked on the water. I believe Peter's mind went back to the miracles that he saw. I believe his mind went back to the love that he had. I believe his mind was fixed on Jesus. All in that split second, that moment of time. I believe every one of these memories and then some flooded into Peter's soul. Peter saw that look. He went out and he wept. And the Bible says it's one thing to weep. It said he wept bitterly. What are you done? Now, I need to try to hurry. Now, Jesus is taken. Peter stood afar off and watched him. Uh, Peter watched him crucified, no doubt. And they, he saw his bloody frame. But then Sunday, strange news came. Strange news indeed. You see, uh, what Peter had done in forsaking Christ, I don't think... I don't think it was done secretly. I think the other apostles got wind of that. That Peter, this man that they looked to, a man of such great faith, has fallen. And I believe they didn't want much to do with Peter. But John sought Peter out. John went to go get Peter. Not the other nine, they were no... But John went to find Peter. And as John found Peter, uh, there came Mary Magdalene uh, saying, I don't know where they've taken him, uh, but somebody took the body of our Lord. And John and Peter ran. And they ran to the tomb. And John got there first, looked in, Peter ran in, found not the body. Uh, Peter went out. Uh, sometime between that time and the time that he would meet with all the disciples, the Bible says he appeared to Peter. By himself. That's hard to find. But you can find it in Luke. And I think maybe the 24th chapter. Uh, that it says. Uh, that, uh, that when the two on the Emmaus road came in. And they said the Lord hath appeared unto Mary. And unto Peter. Uh, you can find it in the Apostle Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 15. How that the Lord appeared unto Cephas. Peter by himself. I believe they'd already had that one-on-one exchange. But I also believe it was needful 
for him to make a public apology. And, 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 and in so doing, uh, that, uh, that the other brethren would see our Lord still loved Peter. I want you to understand that. Now, for when he told Mary Magdalene, he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. Be sure and find Peter. And you tell him, I want to see him after I rose from the dead. So he found Peter. So now, Jesus appears to his apostles. And, and maybe a week or two passed, he was, he was on this earth 40 days after he rose from the dead. Sometime during those 40 days, what I read to you in John takes place. Basically, they were fishing. They were out on the sea. And the Bible says Jesus came on the shores of Galilee. And the Bible says they had fished all night. Not caught a thing. And Jesus shouted out, Children, have you any meat? And they said, No, Lord. And He said, Cast your nets on the right side and you shall find and they did. And they enclosed such a great multitude. Our brother Benny told me the other day, you know, they say, according to this research, uh, that there are 153 types of fishes uh, in that sea. He had one of every kind. One of every kind. Oh, the gospel net will hold any that fall into it. And so you see, uh, they said we've not caught anything. But then they led down their nets, and I'm hurrying through this. They, they enclosed this great multitude. And John said nobody could do that. I say the Lord. Uh, that's Jesus. And when Peter heard that, he put on his fishing coat and he jumped in. They were about a hundred yards off. I didn't wait for him to get to shore. He jumped in. He wanted to see Jesus. He loved Him. He loved Him. And so he wanted to be near him. So Peter gets there. Meanwhile, the other apostles come dragging this great net of fishes. And they sit down and they eat. For Jesus says, come and dine. Now I'm going to get to what I wanted to get to and I've read myself out of time. And they get to the place where he says, come and dine. They eat that meal in silence. I don't believe a word was spoken. I believe the apostles were still shook. I still amazed that the one that they loved had rose from the dead. And so they just watched him eat. And then the Bible says what broke the silence was a word and a sentence that probably none of them expected, least of all Peter. The silence was broken with one question. Simon, son of Barjona. He didn't call him Peter. Didn't call him Cephas. He called him back to his old name. A name before grace had changed. And he said at one place, Thou art Peter. He didn't call him Peter this time. He called him Simon. His unsaved name. Simon, son of Jonah, you love me more than these? Now remember, now remember, Peter was the one who said, I love you more than these because I will lay down my life for you. And they wouldn't. That's what he was saying. So now Jesus asked him if he's learned his lesson. Simon, do you love me more than these? And he said, yeah, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee. And he said, feed my lambs. He asked him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yeah, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee. Feed my sheep. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of Joseph, lovest thou me? Peter being grieved, can I ask you something? When Paul says examine yourselves, 
Have you ever really done that? I'm not trying to cast doubt. I'm trying. The Bible says examine yourself. Examine yourself. But now why would He have asked you, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love Thee. Feed my sheep. Why was all of this done? It was so Peter could understand. It was so the other apostles could understand. It was so you and I today could understand that the banished, if you've made a mistake, there is a way back to God. But the question is, do you love me? Don't you think of that? What question would you have asked? Would you have probably said, Simon Peter, why did you deny me? Simon Peter, why did you do what you did? Uh, Simon Peter, are you sorry for what you did? Uh, Peter, uh, as they took me and you saw them spit on me and beat me and the crown of thorns as my body bled and you denied me, do you feel bad? That's not what he asked me. He said, Peter, do you love me? Why? Because I'm of the mind this morning that if you truly, truly, truly love the Lord, all the rest of the sorriness, of the repentance, everything will be in its proper place if you love Him. And so that was what Jesus wanted to know. Do you love me? Yeah, Lord. I want to ask you this morning, do you love the Lord? Do you really love Him? If you didn't have anything, if, if every comfort of life was taken away like Job, and He said, would you love me? I asked the other night if, uh, and I mentioned Ethan and Sarah prayed for a kid, a, a child, a, a, a got pregnant a few times, lost three, and I, I thought about them a lot. If He says no to you, would you still love Him? That's what he wants to know. It's your heart. Do you love him? If you love him, you will repent. If you love him, you will feel ashamed. If you love him, you will feel sorry. If you love him, you will follow him to the end. Peter loved him. Jesus asked him, Do you still love me, Peter? And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Feed my sheep. You know what joy that had to bring to Peter? That I have denied, denounced my Lord and my God, and He still trusts me to feed His little lambs and His little sheep. I'm telling you today, if you love the Lord, truly, truly, let me ask you something. Why? Why do you love Him today? That's a fair question, isn't it? I told you one time that at a basketball game when I was a senior in high school, I was looking for a prom date and God found me a wife. Over time, feelings begin to grow into love. I love her. I love her. We are one flesh. She is my bride. And I love her. When the Lord saved my soul, it made me love Him. See, you can't, you can't 
Uh, you can't learn love in a book. You can't. You must experience it. And so my question is for anybody that may be doubting this morning, if you love Jesus Christ, why do you love Him? There has to be a reason. Because Sunday school teacher told you to, because mom and dad, why? See, I was taught all of those things. And I loved, I loved everything I knew about Him, but I didn't love Him. I, I love everything I know about Moses and John and Peter, but my heart holds no permanent attraction to them other than a brother in Christ. But my friends, when it's Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, I have a personal attachment to a personal Christ. I love Him because He loves me. I love Him because even though I've been like Peter and my faith has grown weak and sin for sin and I've saved my skin a few times by denying our Lord and He still trusts me to feed His lambs. Do you love Him today? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Let every man examine himself. Do you love the life He's given you? Sure, there's nothing wrong. But do you love Him? Do you love the giver of life? When, when you look forward to heaven, what are you looking forward to? I'm glad there'll be a place where no man shall ever die. Thankful for eternal life. But really my mind can't even comprehend that. that really I just want to be where He's at. Whatever capacity that is. I want to be with Him because my heart loves Him. And so, He knew I'd mess up. He knew I'd make mistakes. He still loved Peter. Somebody may be here today that's been walking afar off in a backslidden condition. I don't know your heart. You don't have to confess everything to me. I'm not a go-between. But I'll say this. If you really and truly love the Lord in your heart, I pray that as I preach this, He will look at you like He looked at Peter. Your heart will break and you'll remember that you love Him. And you'll get things right with God. None of us are perfect. He still loves you. He still loves Peter. He told Peter beforehand, you're going to deny me, but I have prayed for you. What great comfort that must have brought Peter when he thought back. The Lord, can I say something to you and I'm done. We talked about it in Sunday school. God became a man. But even when He rose from the dead, he kept that manhood. He is right now at the right hand of the Father in a glorified body, 100% God and 100% man. In other words, He still prays for you. He makes intercession. He's that mediator. Have you done something you know has caused His heart to grieve? Have you done something that you know should make your heart break? Have you denied Him? Have you just not stepped out on faith and joined the church and been baptized? Whatever it is, He loves you this morning. He wants to use you to feed His lambs and His sheep. I know you think you're broken. He can put you together. I understand all about brokenness. 
I love Him today because He first loved me. I love Him today because as a broken-hearted sinner, He gave me something that my soul desired. When the woman went to Him and began to wash His feet and pour ointment and wipe His feet, they said to among themselves, if He only knew who this woman was, that she is a sinner, He'd tell her to get away from Him. But He said she's done that because she loved me. He said she's done that because her sins are forgiven. That's why I love Him. Because one night He forgave me of all my sins. My sins are forgiven. I'll gladly stoop down and wash His dirty feet. Because is what Jesus said, He that is forgiven much, loveth much. She had done a lot of things. She wasn't a good sinner. She was a filthy, rotten sinner. She was a sinner the whole town knew about. And there she was, cleaned up, washing his feet because she loved him. Amen. The man out of whom he cast out the legion of demons. And when they found him, he was in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus because he loved him. He cleans you up, forgives you. Where else are you going to go? You'll stick to the one that loves you. He loves you this morning. He loves Peter. He didn't cast him off. I'm so glad of that. Always ready for reconciliation. That's our message. God help you today. Come ahead with a song.